Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Welcome back to another week. Welcome back to another episode. Welcome back to If I Didn't Laugh, I'd Cry. How is everybody doing? How's your week been? What's been going on? What's been, what have you been thinking, feeling? You know the vibes. Let's have a moment to reflect. What exactly has gone on and how have I felt about the things that have gone on? We seldom do this as people, you get me? We just accept what's going on and what happened. We don't actually reflect how things made us feel. We just feel it and we keep it moving. But we never reconcile those feelings. We never deal with them, if that makes sense. That's why at some point you end up being so depressed or you find yourself suddenly feeling anxious. Where did that come from? It's an accumulation, a compilation of all those feelings that you didn't check. So let's have a moment to reflect. Um, my week has been good. It's been all right. Let me just say it's been all right. Sleep has been fragmented. And I'll tell you why. I've got, I, I think I've already told you, but I'm not even sure. I've got this, that's how much I talk. I've got these storage heaters. And basically with storage heaters, they release heat during the day, throughout the day. I, I have to put a timer on. I think I've already told you guys, honestly. I'm just repeating myself. But I've got to put an alarm on for 2 p two a.m. so I can put them on. And then another one so I can turn them off because the 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 free tariff, not free tariff, cheaper tariff is from midnight to 7 a.m. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not working for me. You get what I mean? And also this week I've just been going, oh, life is a massive loop. And I, I, for one, I'm tired of it. You get moments of joy, but it's just a loop. And when you're aware of how much of a loop it is, I think you kind of get a little bit like disheartened, just tired. Um, And that's where I'm at. You get what I'm saying to you. But I don't want to depress anybody. You know what I mean? I don't want to depress anybody. Don't want to make anyone feel some type of way. I am fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> I'm just ready to go to heaven. 
Um, but yeah, welcome back. It's just me, so let's get into it. Um, I genuinely have nothing to get off my chest. Probably besides the fact that sometimes work, hmm, you know, you know what I mean by that. Hmm. Sometimes you just wonder, why do we do this? Sometimes you wonder, why do I put up with it? And then you remember it's because you get paid. <laughs> it's because you need to, to eat. <laughs> but yo, nah. It's funny, I always say I've got nothing to get off my chest and I proceed to getting things off my chest. An embarrassing if I didn't laugh at cry story. I Do I have an embarrassing if I didn't laugh at cry story? No, I don't think I do. I don't think I do, but this is just, I was embarrassed. But it's not an embarrassing if I didn't laugh at, I don't know if it is actually. Let me just get, get it for you. So the church pastor asked me to do like a, um, to lead a 10 day of prayer this week and your girl completely forgot right and then i get a message hi sister wonga we just you're leading today we're just waiting for you i was like oh my gosh oh oh my days and i was like i am so sorry <laughs> i am so sorry i forgot anyway she saved me and she took the lead but Yo, I was a little bit hot. I didn't know what to do with myself. I joined it. I don't usually join 10th day of prayer, but I joined it just so I can <laughs> so I can share it more. So, oh my gosh, I feel a little bit, oh, <laughs> I feel sick with myself. But yeah, that's my story. Um, I don't want to have a repeat of that. You know what I mean? Um, continuing on the series, you know the vibes. Tawonga, why, why Seventh-day Adventist? Why Christianity? You know, why not Judaism? You lot believe in the Sabbath. You lot believe similar things, right? But why not Judaism? All right, so let me tell you. First and foremost, let me give you a little overview on Judaism. So Judaism is one of the oldest monotheistic religions in history, getting its start more than 3.5 thousand years ago, around um, 1800 BC. What is incredible is that Jewish people have maintained their ethnic identity for thousands of years. Judaism's founding father is Abraham because of his covenant with Yahweh, where Abraham promised to worship Yahweh alone and to reject all other gods. Genesis 15. Jewish people also recognize Moses as an important prophet in their history because more than 400 years after Abraham lived, Moses delivered the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. God also provided Moses with the Ten Commandments. Jewish people have faced oppression and hardships throughout their history from slavery in Egypt to the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, AD 70, to modern-day horrors like the Holocaust. Despite these difficulties, the Jewish people have persisted and continue to serve Yahweh faithfully. Judaism is unique in that it is both a religion and an ethnic identity. Thus, we must not assume that just because a person identifies as Jewish, that, that they are a practicing Jew. Those who are of Jewish ancestry 
and choose to actively participate in Jewish religion are referred to as practicing or Orthodox Jews. Jewish individuals who have converted to Christianity are called Messianic Jews, a phrase usually preferred to a complete to completed Jew. And those who do not practice the Jewish religion but still claim Jewish heritage can be called circular Jews. The phrase Christian Jew is also not preferred. As many historical Jewish persecutions took place at the hands of Christians, either a micro-persecution like the Crusades or micro-persecutions like labeled Christ-like killers when immigrating to the U.S. Okay. So similarities. Abrahamic religions. Judaism is in many ways the closest world religion to Christianity. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam are the largest Abrahamic religions, which means that their followers, their followers are descendants who can trace their religion their religious lineage back to Abraham and the God he worshipped. Okay, cool. Judaism focuses on relationships like the relationship between God and mankind, between God and Jewish people, between the Jewish people and the land of Israel, and between human beings. Our scriptures tell the story of the development of this relationship from the time of creation through the creation of relationship between God and Abraham to the creation of the relationship between God and the Jewish people and forward. The scriptures also specify the mutual obligations created by these relationships, although various movements of Judaism disagree about the nature of these obligations. Some say they are absolute changing, unchanging laws of God, orthodox. Some say they are the laws of God that change and evolve over time, conservatives. Some say that they are guidelines that you choose whether or not to follow, reform or reconstructionist. Jewish people believe in the Torah which was the whole of the laws given to the Israelites in, at Sinai. They believe they must follow God's laws, which govern daily life. Later, legal books written by rabbis determine the law as it applies to life in each new place and time. And, you know, more on the different types of Jews. Orthodox Jews believe that all of the practices of the Torah, which, is, which it is practical to obey, must be obeyed without question. Conservative and Reformed Jews believe that the ancient laws and practices have been interpreted for modern life with inclusion of contemporary sources and with, the, with more concern with community practices and ritual practices. Reformed Jews also allow everyone to sit together, men and women, and both Hebrew and, lo um, and the local language are spoken um, in services. What do Jewish people believe in regard to creation? We're going to go through the same structure we go through, covering what they believe. And we're going to be exploring this against what it is that I believe. Anyway, Ju Judaism on creation. The word of God brought everything into being, heaven and earth, mountains and rivers, and every living thing. In the beginning, God called into existence the heaven and the earth. Within six days, he shaped a world of order and beauty. Amen to that. And then it goes through um, the six days of creation. Nothing wrong with it. You know what I mean? I have no objections. So again, so far, it's like, okay, Tonga, but why don't you believe in Judaism? You know what I mean? If, it, if it's so close to what it is that you believe, why don't you believe in Judaism? But let's continue. So Judaism on the meaning of life. Judaism does not have a formal mandatory beliefs. The more accepted summary of Jewish belief in the Rabbam's 13 principles of faith 
Even these basic principles have been debated. Judaism focuses on the relationship between a creator, mankind, and the land of Israel. So, this is a far more difficult question than you might expect. Judaism has no dogma, no formal set of beliefs that one must hold to be a Jew. In Judaism, actions are far more important than beliefs, although there is a certainly a place for belief within Judaism. Okay? So these are the 13 principles of faith when it comes to Judaism. To me, I'm interpreting this as the meaning of life. Why do they live? Like, what, what is their purpose as Jews? The closest that anyone has ever come to creating a widely accepted list of Jewish beliefs is Rambam's 13 principles of faith. These principles, which Rambam thought were minimum requirements of Jewish beliefs, are God exists. God is one and unique. God is incorporeal. God is eternal. Prayer is to be directed to God alone and to no other. The words of the prophets are true. Moses' prophecies are true, and Moses was the greatest of the prophets. The written Torah, five books of the Bible, and oral Torah, teachings now contained in a Talmud, a Talmud and other writings were given to Moses. There will be no other Torah. God knows the thoughts and deeds of men. God will, God will reward the good and punish the wicked. The Messiah will come. The dead will be resurrected. Um, so, you know, there are some of these that I obviously don't agree with because I am not Jewish. Um, in terms of like, but most of these, I would say, I agree with. The things I don't agree with, God is incorporeal. I believe that even if I wasn't a Christian, but I believed in a God, I would, I would imagine a God having a figure right but the reason why i don't believe in this is because you know the bible gives us a description of who god is like gives us a description of how god looks you get what i mean and i always go back to let us create man in our image according to our likeness so it's like we are created from if god didn't have a figure he didn't have he wasn't tangible what likeness would he be creating us from? Would just be lies or whatever, voices. So, you know, I know it's biased because I believe in the Bible, but this is why I don't believe in this. You know what I mean? This is what this is all about. Um, the words of the prophets are true. Yes, Moses' prophecies are true, and Moses was the greatest of the prophets. I believe the words of Moses are true. I don't know if Moses is the greatest of the prophets, but I do believe that Moses is one of the greatest people that ever lived. Um, the Messiah will come. I, I don't believe in that because the Messiah has come and he will come again. So, you know, I know that we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, so as you can see, these are very basic and general principles yet yeah, as basic as these principles are the necessity of believing each one of this has been disputed at one time or another. And the liberal movements of Judaism dispute many of these principles. Okay. Unlike many other religions, Judaism does not focus much on abstract cosmological concepts. Although Jews have certainly considered the nature of God, man, the universe, life and the afterlife at great length. Um, see Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism, there is no mandated official definitive beliefs on or belief on these subjects outside of the very general concepts as discussed above. 
there is substantial room for personal opinion on all these matters because, as I said before, Judaism is more concerned about actions than belief. And this is from jufac.org. Jufac.org or jufac.org, you know, just in case you know, I start, start swearing, you get what I mean? Um, so that's the meaning of life, pretty much. Why are we here? Actions, you know, that's what matters the most to Jews. So... I don't really have much to say about that, but I don't believe that we are supposed to live a life of being a slave to our good deeds. Um, taking the Bible out of it, imagine, imagine your life wasn't about your character. It was about what you do. As I've mentioned before in a previous episode, you can fake all of that. I can do good deeds, but have ugly character. Talk badly about people behind my back. Do it without wanting to do it, but just doing it so I can say I did it or people can see that I did good works. You know what I mean? Um, going out of my way to impress people. I mean, we've watched it in films where somebody's pulling a wool over somebody's eyes, where they're doing so much nice things in front of people's faces, but they're just a nasty, nasty person. I wonder what the point of that would be. What's the point of being works-based and what we do if your character is ugly? I believe, generally, taking the Bible out of it, I believe that being a good person is the beauty of it. And if you are generally good to people and you generally have interest in people, and I'm not saying that people are perfect and I'm not saying that I am perfect in this, but I feel like that is what makes people do good things because your character is good. But if you focus on just doing good things, I don't think it, it, it correlates. You know what I mean? I think anybody can fake that. I can work in a homeless shelter and not care at all about those homeless people. But if I've got a good character, genuinely, and I genuinely care about these homeless people, I am going to do that job with gladness and to the best of my ability. Yeah? I often see at church people, um, in my language, we call it kunyinyirika. Like if somebody goes, oh, can you please do this? And they're the nyinyirika, like, ah, you know, they huff and puff. Why are you huffing and puffing? If you genuinely don't want to do it, no one's going to think you're a horrible person. Just say, oh, is it okay if I can just not do it today? You say, We are human beings. But I think, but I'm, but I'm, <laughs> I'm speaking my language now. If somebody is, is nyinyikering, to me, I wonder what that's demonstrating. You get what I'm saying? So their meaning of life, it's like, it, 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 it makes sense. But I find a flaw in it just because where is your character? You know, do you need do you need not to have a good character? You get what I'm saying to you. Let's continue. Um, Jews on the day of worship. So the seventh day. But the, by the seventh day, everything was created and put into shape and order. God rested on the seventh day. He glorified it as a day of rest. Therefore, we should work for six days and rest on the Sabbath day, Shabbat, which God blessed and sanctified for all time to come. 
By observing the Shabbat day, we show that we believe in God as the creator of the world. 100% agree with that. 100% agree with that. I feel like the difference between those who believe in the God of the Bible, you know what, let me not say as a, as a, um, as a careless saying, I believe that those who believe the word of the Bible to the core will recognize that Saturday is the Sabbath day. And the reason why Saturday is a prominent day is because God rested on that day and he told man to rest in that day and the bible says sabbath was not created for uh, man was not created for the sabbath but sabbath was created for man and we are told to delight in this day this is the day that we're it's we're meant to be free right we're meant to be reflecting on our lord and god kind of repeats himself as why he is a different god to the other gods and this thing that he repeats is his creation I am the Lord God who created the heavens and the earth and things like that, right? So I agree with these, um, with the Jewish views. The Jewish Sabbath, Shabbat in Hebrew, Shabbos in Yiddish, is observed every week beginning at sunset on Friday evening and ending after dark on Saturday evening. For religiously observant Jews, Shabbat is as important as any other holy day. Orthodox Jews do not work or travel on Shabbat. Consequently, Friday evening or Saturday classes or exams will generally pose a conflict for Orthodox Jewish students. I get that. Seventh-day Adventists believe in the same thing. You know what I mean? Seventh-day Adventists, our Sabbath starts from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. Right? When I was a child, when I was younger, it was long. Summer was long. Yeah? Because... The Saturday sunset being at 9.30, 10, long. Yeah, by the time the sun is it's bedtime, long. I didn't like it. <laughs> and now I'm watching the frustrations with my daughter, Olivia. But this is important. It's a very important thing, an important day to organize yourself so you can make the Sabbath a delight. I don't know if I'm making sense. Olivia's at the stage now where... We try to fill our time with um, with some games, you know, we do activities um, so that she isn't bored. If we can, we go to the park and things like that so that she's not going, I want to watch TV. And you know what? It's not like Olivia is an avid TV watcher anyway. I feel like she gets quite bored watching TV and she's like, can you play with me and things like that. But I feel like because... She knows she can't because we're observing the Sabbath. She gets bored quite quickly. And by the way, I'm not saying we don't watch TV. We just don't watch regular TV. You know, the Sabbath, the, the fourth commandment says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I wonder how I can keep the Sabbath day holy by watching my normal telenovas. You know what I mean? I don't know how I could. Um, so if we do watch stuff, we do watch like Christian movies, which she's really into. We watch um, some Christian cartoons. We listen to music. You know what I mean? We find new things and discover new things, which is always quite exciting. And yeah, I have a nap. I nap. So the Jewish Sabbath and my the biblical Sabbath is very much the same. And the practices, I think the difference is, though, between the Seventh-day Adventists and 
you know, most Christians, but I would say Seventh-day Adventists because of their likeness to the Sabbath, um, Jewish people have made themselves a slave to not working. Like they don't turn their lights on, they don't answer the phone, they don't do this, they don't do that. So they they have made themselves a slave to this thing where the commandment says, in it you shall do no work. No. So they consider these things as doing work. But they're just mundane things. And, you know, we'll get to the reasons why, but the Jews don't believe in we'll get to it. I don't want to preempt it. You know what I mean? We're going through a list here, but it will make sense when we go through it. So origins of evil, Jewish people and the origins of evil. So everywhere that I searched, I didn't find the origins of evil, like the very origins of evil as the Bible is written. You know what I mean? Maybe I don't, I, if they believe in the Torah, then they believe in the story of Adam and Eve, surely. Right. But this is what I found. Jews do not believe in the doctrine of original sin. This is a Christian belief based on Paul's statement. Therefore, just as though one man's sin entered the world and death, therefore, as through one man's sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, Romans 5.12. The doctrine was fully developed by the church father, Augustine of Hippo. Um, According to this doctrine, Hereditary sinfulness is inescapably transmitted to human beings by their parents, starting with Adam and Eve. It is alleged that only acceptance of Jesus as Savior from sin can redeem a person from sin. All those who do not accept Jesus as a Savior from sin are condemned to eternal suffering in hell. Whether man is a sinner by nature or not is immaterial. Judaism teaches that teaches the biblical way to repentance and reconciliation with God. Sincere repentance in which the sinner pledges to rectify his sinful ways and lead a righteous life is one means that is open at all times to all humanity. Jonah 3 verse 5 to 10, Daniel 4 verse 27. God counsels Cain, why are you annoyed? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do good, that is change your ways. Will it not be lifted up? That is you. Will you not be gift, forgiven? For if you not do not do, if you do not do good, sin rests at the door, and its desires for you, but you may rule over it. Genesis four verse six to seven. God informs Cain that repentance and subsequent forgiveness are always open to him. The remedy for sin is clear. Biblically, God's loving kindness depends on the right conduct and extends to all humanity. Um, I think there's been a little bit of a misconception. Um, so obviously we've seen the origin of sin. It says that um, by their parents starting with Adam and Eve. So they accept their origin of sin story in the Garden of Eden. But I think this Romans 5 verse 12 thing, there's a misconception. There's been a little bit of a misunderstanding. So let's go and read it. Let's go and read what it's saying in Romans Chapter 5, verse 12. So Romans chapter 5, verse 12 starts. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. And then in 13, I'm going to read as much as I can. You get what I mean? So it makes sense because what I don't like is a little passage being picked without the full explanation. For until the law of sin was in the world, but no, but sin is not imputed 
when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who, who was to come. Talking about Jesus. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from the offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteousness, one man's, one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that a sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay? The way they have interpreted this is almost as to say that humans are born sinners. You know what I mean? But what this verse, this passage has just read, it's like some die not being sinners. Basically, if I go back to what I always say, the wages of sin is death. That's what this passage is saying. Because of the one man sin, Adam. Yeah, because of what Adam did, sin entered the world and the wages of sin is death. And before sin entered the world, we have gone through this so many times, you get me, but it's good when we go back to it. God said, you shall not eat of the fruit for the day you eat of it, you will surely die. Do you get now the correlation of what Paul is saying? Paul is saying, Adam ate of the fruit and the wages of sin is death. Through this one man, death has prevailed, De death has abounded. But through Jesus Christ dying on the cross, life is given, is re-given to us. Hence why we believe in a resurrection, or let me say hence why I believe in a resurrection. So that's what the doctrine that the Bible is, is saying. But they go on to say, according to this doctrine, hereditary sinfulness is inescapably transmitted through to human beings by their parents, starting with Adam and Eve. That's not what it's saying. It's not saying that at all. It's actually saying that we, the life we live generally is a life full of sin. Because of one man, sin is everywhere. Hence why. They've, even the own passage that they wrote about Cain, it says sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. God is warning Cain to be like, there is sin everywhere, my guy, but, but you should rule over it. Overcome the thing, Rev, because it's everywhere. 
So why would you now say, ah, oh, because God was saying to Cain, you need to repent. In fact, God was not saying to Cain to repent. God was saying to Cain to protect his, his mind, to protect Wagwan, to, to, to be awake to what's happening. Why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? God read Cain's heart and Cain's mind and was saying, Wagwan for you, Cain. And he was giving him a warning to be like, these things you're feeling, beware where these things might lead you because sin lies at the door and its desire is for you and you should rule over it. Cain did not listen. He ends up killing his brother. God was not telling Cain to repent. God was telling Cain to beware. God was telling Cain, it was giving Cain a warning, beware. When I say to you guys, let's reflect, right? Reflect, because sometimes you need to beware of those emotions and feelings. Because where are they taking you? What's your, where is your mind taking you? Why are you feeling the things you're feeling? Why have you been thinking that way? Reflect. God was telling Cain, why? He asked him questions. Those questions were supposed to provoke Cain to reflect. To reflect. Why has my countenance fallen? Why am I angry? Right? And then once Cain had discovered that, he would have heeded God's words of sin lies at the door and it's desirous for you, which means, yo, if I don't check this, if I leave this unchecked, I could end up doing something mad. Right? That's what that passage is saying in Genesis. Now this passage in Romans chapter five, it's basically saying through this one man, through Adam, sin entered the world and all of us are, are subject to that sin. None of us are safe from that sin. All of us are able to get tempted from that sin. But it is going on to say through this, basically it's like we were damned. Before Jesus, we were damned. That's why in the Old Testament, in the Torah, God spoke to men directly. God's voice was audible to men directly. And he spoke to them. And, you know, this was, I would say that a way to really say, I am the Lord, your God. Like, listen to my, this is my word. This is my voice. You can't deny this. But then for people like you and me throughout the ages, you know, the ones who are living after that fact, it's like God speaks to us through the words of God, through the Bible. You know what I mean? So because of Jesus Christ, we have a gift. We have a gift that Jesus Christ gave us, which is he is the sacrifice. You get me? Now, Paul is saying, one man damned us, one man came to save us. You, if you choose to accept this gift, then you have the gift, what the gift brings, it's eternal life. We have got our salvation through Jesus Christ, but it's by no means saying that it's by no means saying that um, that everybody is born a sinner and that a parent can transmit sin to a, to a child. How do I know this? Yeah. How do I know that, that, that this is not biblical doctrine that the Jews are saying? Let's go to John. John chapter nine. Right. Let's go to start from verse one. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was born blind from birth and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. 
as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, that was a prophecy in itself, but I, these things fly over our heads in this day. These things flew over the disciples' heads in their day, right? But when he asked them who sinned between him and his parents, Jesus said, nobody sinned. Nobody sinned. But so that the works of God should be revealed in him. This guy was just born into sin. These are the effects of sin. He's not blind because he did anything wrong or his parents did something wrong. This is just sin. These are the effects of sin, the consequences of sin. Things are all mad now. People are dying. People get diseases. People are blind. People are, have got cancer. People are born with their hearts outside of their bodies. It wasn't meant to be that way. People are born disabled. People are born all kinds of things. People are born that way. It wasn't meant to be that way. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. People need healing. People need spiritual healing. People need physical healing. So he said nobody sinned. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. It's a shame though. Because the Jews do not believe in... The Jews do not believe in this side of the Bible. They don't believe in the New Testament. The Orthodox Jews anyway. I would say the majority of them. They don't believe in this. So it's a little bit tough because they wouldn't know these things. These are the words that Jesus spoke, but they reject Jesus, which brings me to um, the Jews on Jesus. The biggest difference between the Jewish people and Christians is their view on who Jesus was. This is mostly due to the fact that Judaism does not include the New Testament as part of their Holy Scriptures, according to uh, the Holy Scriptures. According to Christians, Jesus Christ was the Messiah of whom prophetic scriptures like Isaiah 9, 6 to 7 and Psalms 2 describe. Jewish people differ in their interpretations of who Jesus was. Most Jews, with the exception of Messianic Jews, deny that Jesus was the Messiah described in the Old Testament prophecies because the qualifications of attaining political power were not evident with Jesus of Nazareth. Most Jewish people do not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. The followers of Jewish theologian Pinchas Lapidae believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, but that he was the Messiah for the Gentiles. So they don't believe that he was a Messiah for the Jews, um, but the Gentiles, they're the ones who follow the theologian Pinchas Lapidae. Yeah? So Pinchas Lapidae is... Is, is a messianic Jew, so to speak. 
by the sounds of it. So that's very interesting. Let's go to Isaiah 9, verse 6 to 7. Okay? Isaiah 9, verse 6 to 7 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From the, that time forward, even forever, the zeal of God of hosts will perform this. They are saying that the Jesus that came and the Jesus that existed did not, did not, um, Jesus did not present like this. Yeah. Jesus did not come and take government the way the old prophecies and scriptures say. So Psalms 2, let's go to Psalms 2. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, against his anointed saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I've begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possessions. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. When his wrath is kindled, put but a little. Blessed are those who put their trusts in him. So the Jews reject Jesus because um, Jesus of Nazareth did not have the qualifications yeah, to attain political power. He did not have that. He just did not demonstrate that. So they reject these prophecies these writings of the Old Testament because they're like, nah, that's not what Jesus of Nazareth presented. But it's really interesting. It's interesting and it's a shame because if they believe in Moses as a prophet and in the Torah and things like that, then there is no way that they shouldn't believe in the other writings of this Messiah. Everything that the Israelites were going through was leading up and everything that these Jewish people, the Jewish nation of the Israelites was the run up to prepping them for the coming Messiah. Am I making sense? All the prophets of old speak of the same thing of the Messiah that's coming. Yeah. The reason why they were doing sacrifices and the Jewish people were, were, were instructed by God to do sacrifices was to represent the coming Messiah. You know what I'm saying? But the reason why they're saying, nah, Jesus of Nazareth did not, that his government, he just didn't show the political government and political power, rare, rare, rare. Let's, let's look into that. And again, it's a shame that the Jews do not believe in the New Testament because they would, they would, have, they would have seen this, okay? Um... So 
Pilate, I'm reading from John chapter 18. Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief of priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born and for this cause I have come to the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Listen, there is a certain, there is a certain, there is a certain confidence, a certain authority that Jesus possessed walking on this earth. Now, every single Jew that was listening to this, basically, it's like somebody giving a description of a coming king, right? And this description sounds marvelous. Yeah, like we've just read in Isaiah chapter um, Isaiah chapter 9. We've read that. And it sounds like Jesus was going to come robed in these brilliant robes and everyone's going to adore him and kiss his feet and he's going to establish his kingdom on earth. And now he comes for questioning up for a pilot before he gets crucified. And my guy said, my kingdom is not of this world. If this was my kingdom, if this earth was my kingdom, we wouldn't be here, chief. My servants, the angels, there would be a war. You lot would be lock off. Chief, like it's not that deep for me to claim this world as my kingdom. Yeah. But I am here to bring you guys the truth. And anyone who hears my truth and bears witness to the truth, you know, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Basically, if you believe in the words of what Jesus is saying, you get what he's saying, you understand what he's saying. Tawonga, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit more, shall I? Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on him, on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. What did we read in Isaiah chapter 9, right? Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 19. You know what I mean? And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. What's Isaiah describing? Jesus. What's the Revelation 19 describing? Jesus. You know what I mean? Um, he had a name written that no one except him knew except himself. He was clothed in rope, dipped in blood. Why? Jesus died and, you know, his blood was shed. And his name was called the word of God. What's the word of God? The Bible is a word of God. And the word of God, it says, your word is truth. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The, he was called the word of God. Why? In the beginning, them there was the word in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God so Jesus is the word of God Jesus anyway let me let me not get too too passionate you know what I mean um and the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen white and clean followed him on white horses now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword right that he, with it he should strike the nations okay so let's let's just take a pause on that Right out of his mouth comes a sharp sword. Let's take a pause on that. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace on earth, but a sword. Hmm. 
what's this really saying? You know, um, now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword and that with it, he should strike the nations. It means that he did not bring peace, but a sword. It means every word that proceeds out of Jesus's mouth pierces those who hear it. It's either you are convicted and you turn your ways and you turn to Jesus or you are, you are, you are offended by it. There are two camps. There are those who are offended by the word of God, who are pierced by it and turn from God, and those who are pierced by it and turn towards God. He did not come to bring peace. He did not come to do nice and nice. He did not come to establish an earthly kingdom and, and establish it for the Jews and for the Jews to be like, yeah, you see this? You see this, Pilate? You see this, Rome? Now what? Now what? No, that's not what Jesus came to do. Let me just carry on. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath and wrath of almighty god he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords jesus told you man jesus told the jews i am not here to establish a kingdom on earth all the prophecies are saying that a savior is coming. What's it coming to save us from? People, the Jews have interpreted this salvation as saving us from the government rulers of the kingdoms that were on earth, that were oppressing the Jews. As they were saved from Egypt, they were waiting for a savior to come and save them from whatever it is that they were going through on earth. Right? But Christ was saying, I'm coming to save you from that sin that entered the world. That sin that started with Adam, Romans chapter five, that, that's what I'm coming to save you from. I'm coming to give you a gift of life. I'm coming to eradicate death because though you may die on earth now, but you will resurrect and you'll have eternal life. I am coming to give that to you. And the Jews have denied this. The Jews have rejected this. You understand what I'm saying? The Jews have rejected this muchly. Um, because if we go to Luke 23. Luke 23. Um, and I'm going to start from verse 13, then Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers and the people said to them, you have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people. And indeed, having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault in this man concerning the, those things of which you accuse him. No, neither did Herod. For I sent you back to him, and indeed nothing deserving of death has been done by him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. For it was necessary for him to release one of them at the feast. And they all cried at once, saying, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas, a, a, a criminal this was, who had been thrown into prison for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder. Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus, again called out to them. But they shouted, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Then he said to them the third time, why, why, what evil has he done? I found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of his men and the chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. And he released to them the one they requested 
who for the rebe- for the who for rebellion and murder have been thrown into prison but deli- delivered Jesus to their will okay so the Jews when Jesus came because Jesus did not present having the qualification of attaining political power they said that this guy was trespassing against the Jews and they said crucify him now the Jews have rid themselves of that guilt. They've said no, that wasn't us. It was the Romans who crucified him. It wasn't the Jews. No, you're right. The Romans are the ones who crucified him. Right? It was Roman ritual to crucify people. It was part of their customs. You get what I mean? But you gave Jesus up. You ought, you are the ones who begged them to crucify Jesus. You understand? Um so it, it it's a shame, I think. But I think to myself that I believe that for myself, since I have found the truth or I have gone on a mission to find the truth and I believe I have found the truth, I think Jesus is a very pinnacle and a very important aspect of this truth all over the world jesus is known however you know jesus but you know who jesus is you've heard of the name jesus and they have proven that jesus did exist in a time now whatever it is this jesus is to you it could just be a figure it could just be a man it could be a rebel could be whatever it is you want to describe him as but I choose to follow the truth that Jesus is the son of God and was the son of man. And Jesus came to save humans from this sin. Okay. I choose to believe that. And I find it a great shame when people who don't believe it, not because everybody needs to believe what Tawonga believes, but if this Jesus that I choose to believe in is the truth and the life and the way as he described himself, And if this Jesus is the light of the world, then those who choose not to believe in Jesus are doing what Romans 5 said. They're they're rejecting this gift. They're saying no to this gift that Jesus came to bring to all. Again, John 3.16, we should know that verse now. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God, the God of the Bible does not force people, does not threaten people. Um, He doesn't threaten people to be like, you have to believe. Otherwise, this, this, this is, I I don't know if it's threatening, to be honest with you. But to me, it seems as if he makes promises. You know, when he says, I'm not making, I'm not threatening you. I'm making a promise. It's not a threat. It's a promise that that's how I view the God of the Bible of do what you want genuinely do what you want in this life choose to do what you want but that thing that you choose to do there will be outcomes to those things yeah this is the outcome if you choose this path this is the outcome if you choose that path but free feel free to do whatever and as we have seen people are choosing their own paths some people say i i know i'm going to hell and i don't care you are choosing that. Come on. You are choosing that path. So I, I find it a great shame um, to say that we don't believe in Jesus because he did not possess the qualifications of the Messiah. But if we were to read the Torah, if we were to read the Old Testament, um, 
we would see the characteristics of a Messiah as being one full of humility. As being one coming on a salvation mission. What that salvation looked like, I think what we tend to do as humans is, is, is put our own ideas of what we would do. If I was this Messiah, I would establish my kingdom. He says that he's going to establish it on Mount Zion. I would do X, Y, and Z, and that's what I would do. You know what I mean? If I was the Messiah, I would be dripped. I would be dripped out top to bottom. I would be I would be driving the nicest donkeys. You know what I mean? I'll be riding the nicest horses, the nicest chariots. People would know that I have arrived. But the life of Jesus was one of humility. The life of Jesus was one teaching us that we need to be humble. The life of Jesus was teaching us that this earth, keep it. This money you lot fight over, keep it. This is not my uh, motives. My motives is to not establish my home on this earth as it currently is. My home is with my God. That's what Jesus taught, came to teach us to do, basically. Right? Now, a little bit more on that kingdom. That kingdom or that was meant to be established. Let me go and read to you from the book of Daniel. Right? Now, the book of Daniel is a book of prophecies. But let me read you from, um, let me read you from, okay, let me read you from Daniel chapter 2. I'm just going to recap and I'm going to read the most um, important part that I want to like read you guys in it. King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and it's a dream of a statue and, you know, he has the statue and, you know, the head is made of gold. The chest and arms are made of silver. Its bellies of thigh and thighs are of bronze. And its legs are of iron. And the feet partly iron, part clay. And Daniel interprets this dream. And it says that um, you watched while stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet and eye of iron and clay and broken into pieces. Then the iron, the clay and the bronze, the silver and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The winds carried them away, so no trace of them was found, and the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Now, this is an interpretation of the dream. It says, You, O king, are the king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And where, wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, yada, 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 right? But then it goes, you are the head of gold, but after shall rather another kingdom inferior to yours, then another third kingdom of bronze. So he's saying after there's going to be a kingdom that represents the silver and another kingdom that represents the gold and another kingdom is going to rise. It's going to be as strong as iron, but then another um, kingdom that's going to be iron and clay. And now, now, uh, da, 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 da. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. Let me repeat that. The kingdom shall not be left to other people. It's saying God himself will be the king of that kingdom. God himself will rule over that kingdom himself. In other words, God himself is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Yeah, it will not be left to any other people. 
yeah, to rule over it. It shall break in pieces and consume all these other kingdoms and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it broke in pieces, the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver and the gold, the, the great God has made known to the king that what will come to pass after this, the dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. This will come to pass. That's why Jesus was saying what he was saying. Hey, I have not come on this earth to set up my kingdom because if my kingdom was on this earth, my servants will, my servants will be warring you lot right now. Keep it. Keep it. I have come here on a mission, on a rescue mission. But my kingdom is not going to be established here. Trust me. Yeah? My words that I'm saying to you, Pilate, are true. And they are sure. You get what I'm saying? So it, it is a shame. But God, if we read the Bible, if the Jews were, I suppose there are different categories, you know what I mean? But if the Orthodox Jews were to open their minds and really look at this, I feel like it would make sense. I feel like if anybody on this earth were to sit down and really listen to this, it would make sense. And sometimes when you yourself are trying to read it, it doesn't make sense when you are trying to read it yourself. It's, a, it's an example of the eunuch who was um, met by Philip. And Philip was like, why are you reading it? He goes, like, I don't even get it. I don't even understand. And Philip is the one who helped him to understand it. Sometimes we need a little helping hand to learn the interpretations, the true interpretations of what scripture says. Otherwise, we could just say it means X, Y, and Z. <laughs> The Jews on death. What do Jews believe when it comes to death? Judaism believes that every moment of life is precious and of infinite value. We do not consider pain or suffering as mitigating factors that obviate the sanctity or importance of life. Jews believe in a life after death, the immortality of the soul and the physical resurrection of the body at a time in the future. Okay, that's nice. You know what I mean? I, I believe in that. But let's continue to find out what they believe. Both Christian and Jewish people believe in hell, but Judaism teaches that hell is only a temporary place for purification. Purified Jewish people go to Gan Eden to be with Yahweh. Um, and Genesis, they give reference to Genesis 13 verse 10 and Ezekiel 31 verse 8 to 9. Christians believe in eternal heaven and hell as revealed in scripture. Matthew 10, verse 28, etc. I find this quite interesting how they're saying as revealed in scripture and they're giving us reference to where we can find it in scripture. But then they're saying, but we don't believe in that. You know, us Jews believe in X, Y, and Z. And you know what I mean? Um, but let's go to Ezekiel 31, verse 8 to 9. Ezekiel 31, verse 8 to 9. The cedars of the garden of God could not hide it, and fair trees were not its boughs, um, and the chestnut tree were not like its branches. No, the tree in the garden of God was like it in beauty. I made it beautiful with a multitude of branches, so that all the trees in, of Eden envied it that were in the garden of God. So the Jews do not believe, but it, again, Again, right? This is what I say, a needle in a haystack. What the truth is, it differs from 
what every other person says, right? To me, when it comes to this thing of religion, what every other religion claims, when you find one that is different from it, that to me is what the truth is, yeah? So again, Judaism teaches that hell is only a temporary place for purification. So you will not surely die. That's what Jews believe. You will not surely die. You will go to hell for punishment, but you'll be purified. And you'll be, you'll go to wherever you need to go after purification. You'll go to the Garden of Eden. You go, yeah, no, you guys, it, it was quite hot there. Like, it, no, I wouldn't. Mary, it's good that you repented. I wish I had repented sooner because the things I've been through, no, I wouldn't recommend anybody do. No, yeah, John is still down there. Yeah, John, Jennifer, Jim, they're still down there. I don't know why I'm using J names. <laughs> but they're still down there. But yo, no, you know, I, I'm, I'm so glad that I repented certain sins and I wasn't a murderer or like a rapist on them things there because yo, it was mad down there. But I'm here now, I've been purified. So guys, yeah, that's really, really good. Mm, right? Christians believe in eternal heaven and hell as revealed in scripture. And they give reference to Matthew 10, verse 28. Let's go and read that. Again, everything is all about interpretation, isn't it? Matthew 10, 28. It says, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot, cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. It's not talking about eternal hell, actually. It's talking about being destroyed in hell so it's saying that you will surely die yeah that's number one matthew 25 verse 46 matthew 25 verse 46 and these will go away into everlasting punishment but the righteousness the righteous into eternal life everlasting punishment is death the wages of sin is death you will surely die Again, interpretation. Just because it's saying everlasting punishment doesn't mean that you're going to be eternally tormented in hell. Yeah? But I've made it clear that I don't believe in the widely spread hell doctrine that Christians believe. John 5 verse 24. John 5 verse 24. Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into life this is saying that not hearing god jesus's words you will surely die the thing is the bible explains itself the bible backs itself up right and and people tend to go oh this must mean this but it's telling you death death is a finality Revelation 21, verse 8. Revelation 21, verse 8. And it says, But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This is not talking about eternal torment. It's talking about 
you will surely die. If you don't, if you do not turn from your wicked ways, from your evil ways, the finality of your life is going to be death. That's the eternal punishment is going to be death. And the eternal reward is life. That's what it's saying. So, you know, but the Jews don't believe in the hell doctrine of like you will burn for your sins. They believe that you will not surely die. Again, that's where I differ. That's why I believe in the Bible. That's why I believe my beliefs, because I do believe that if this life is anything to go by, death is final. If this life is anything to go by, death is final. When people die, we don't see them again. We don't hug them again. We don't talk to them again. We don't commune with them again. We miss them. We mourn them. And even the people who claim that they see their grandmothers and the spirits of their dead aunties and all things like that, you still miss those people. Why? Why do you miss them when you can see them every single day? Because they're dead. Death separates you from them. Everything that you used to do when they're alive, you can't do no more. So if this life is anything to go by, then I believe in the biblical doctrine of you will surely die. So again, Jews, like the, Islam, like the Muslims, like the Hindus, like the Buddhists, like the spiritualists, believe in the you will not surely die. Yeah? So when it comes to salvation, Jews on salvation. So the main difference between Jewish and Christian salvation is that Christianity is a grace-based salvation, while Judaism is a work-based salvation. Jewish people believe that salvation is attained by following the rules set forth in Jewish, Jewish scripture, as well as blood atonement through the sacrificial system. The ultimate goal of most Jewish people is to be a good person, which they believe is someone who follows a rule set forth in Jewish scriptures. Christian do, Christians do not believe that good works can achieve salvation. Salvation is a free gift through faith in Jesus, atoning work on the cross. Good works are emphasized as evidence of salvation, but not a means to salvation. Amen to that. <laughs> I'm so biased to this, but yes, that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? If I have faith and I've got a good character, my actions are going to follow. If I claim to be a good person, I am going to do good things. I am not going to be a liar. I'm not going to be a murderer. I'm not going to be an idolater. I'm not going to be breaching the law of God if I have really decided to follow Jesus, right? So to me, that kind of makes sense. But this good works thing, again, that's the Muslim doctrine. That's the spiritualism doctrine. That's the Hindu doctrine. That's the Buddhism doctrine of do good. Yeah, do good. Make sure your karma is good. Yeah, make sure you are doing good, giving to charity and all those things. That's what all these other religions, if you've been paying attention so far, they are teaching the same thing. Works. What demonstrates you're a good person is your works. Never mind what happens behind closed doors. But if you are doing good things, you're a good person. And I wholeheartedly disagree with that. I genuinely believe that I can do good things and be an ugly person on the inside. My character could be terrible. 
But I believe that if I am genuinely a good person without somebody forcing me to be a good person, I genuinely care about people. I genuinely have compassion towards people. My actions will follow suit. I will be doing good anyway. You know what I mean? Um, so Christians believe that salvation is available only through Christ's death and resurrection. Um, but Jews don't believe in this. And Christ says, faith without works is dead. Or the Bible says, faith without works is dead. I think that's true. It's true that faith without works is dead. Because it basically means, how can you believe in God and say that I'm saved through Jesus Christ, but then you're not doing good? Jesus did a lot of good when he was on earth. Not only did Jesus, was Jesus faithful, but he was compassionate, he was loving. And then on top of that, he was healing people and he was, he was doing a lot. The Bible says, by their fruits, you will know them. And again, I wholeheartedly agree. You know what I mean? So with that, friends, we have come to the end. You know, Judaism has got similar similarities to um, Christianity, but there is massive, massive, massive fundamental differences, right? Again, this series is to not bash or slate any belief or anything like that. But like I said last week, I do not have to bow down to your God. Just likewise, you don't have to bow down to my God. You know what I mean? I am not saying these things so people go, all right, all right. No, it's not like that. I'm just letting people know or maybe helping somebody discover why, what's the difference between the Bible and other faiths and other religions. Why should I choose Jesus? Why Jesus? What's so different about Jesus? There's, you will not surely die. So far, no other religions believe in death the second death that is, in everlasting death, they don't believe in that, right? So far, all religions so far believe in your actions only. We do not believe we're saved by anybody. So far, all the religions we've covered do not believe in a Jesus. And to me, those are the pillars of my faith, you know? I'm interested in who created the word. I feel like the structure of what I go through is my interest. It's what makes me go, I will serve that God. So it's not to offend anybody, but if I have offended you, take it to your God and tell your God that Tawanga has offended you. <laughs> your quarrel is not with me, it's with God. So with that, friends, let me leave us with this. Okay, let me leave us with these. this. My kingdom is not of this world. Wah, wah, wah. I'm sorry the episode is over, but please tune in next week for another exciting journey. Goodbye, goodbye, bye, bye, bye. Have good vibes. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.